So, hey everybody, so I am joined today by another wonderful artist who has worked in the video game industry for almost 20 years and has most recently put out the Mysterious Creatures Field Guide, which is a compendium of creatures, and I'm such a big fan of those. Uh, I'm here with Eli Libson. What's up, man? Hey, how's it going? It's it's hey. great to finally uh, get a chance to talk with you. This is awesome. Yeah, dude. I'm so excited. We've done uh, a couple like email chats back and forth, but we haven't. Uh, I feel like we have so much to talk about, and I'm excited to finally get into it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm just gonna like uh, you know first kind of start with the fact that uh, I have an incredible commute in the morning, and you've been basically my uh, my uh, sidekick uh, on my drives into work, and so I can't tell you how nice that's been and. Um, it's been fantastic just kind of seeing or listening to your journey and, uh, yeah, it's just been a real, a real hoot. So oh, that's awesome, man. You'll be the, uh, you'll actually be my first, uh, artist guest or guest that's actually listened to my podcast. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I'm actually excited that we could, uh, you know, crack open some of those topics because it's like, I, there's. Everybody always tells me they listen to the podcast, but like I never really get any feedback or nobody really discusses anything. So I'm like, all right, cool. What do you guys, I don't know what anyone thinks about it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I mean, I'm, I'll kind of basically barf uh, as much as I can, you know, kind of think, think. Uh, but this morning I, I listened to, speaking of that, uh, I think it's Cecil Porter. He was uh-huh. an artist that you, you had on, a, maybe, maybe he isn't listening to your podcast, uh, but um, that, that, uh, really kind of uh strikes in a you know chord with with me like um our lives are not the same exactly but uh in terms of um uh the you know just the path and uh trying a lot of different things and um i, I can go into that or you know like uh i'll, I'll let you kind of just uh lead things and so uh yeah well let's start with getting to know you because like with a lot of my guests so the reason why i like to do this podcast is because it's a big focus on uh, sharing. I just I'm fascinated by the creative process and where people draw inspiration and how we become artists, because a lot of us, we don't. And you might agree with this, like, I don't even know where my ideas come from. They just they just come from somewhere and I just have to get them out, you know. And so I like to hear the journey. So walk us through the, the life of Eli. What was uh, what was it like? What were you like growing up as a kid? Well, so always into art. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, basically, as as soon as I could could hold a pencil, um, I I definitely um, I, I gravitated towards kind of creating, uh, basically Star Wars kind of stuff. Um, I like a lot of you know geeks out there. Uh, when I was I think four years old, my dad in our uh, station wagon took me to a drive-in theater, and we sat in the back. And uh, that the the magic that existed, seeing the the Millennium Falcon screaming by and Chewbacca and everything else, it was. I know this is cliche, but as soon as I saw that movie, it, I and, and my mom, you know, will, will quote this. She's like, "You said that's what you wanted to do for the rest of your life, is basically make monsters and make weird shit." And that is pretty much the trajectory. I've been very blessed and lucky that I've been on since, since like four years old. And, um, it's, uh, you know, the, my, my dad, uh, he's an architect. And so, uh, uh, basically, uh, he, 
as a, as a kid growing up, I, I kind of learned this work ethic where uh, he would bring uh, his work home, his, he would have to take care of uh, some of the drafting, that some spillover work, and so he would kind of moonlight and do different things, and he set up like a little table next to his drafting table, and he would kind of work with me and teach me perspective, and um, I, uh, I was, you know, once again, just re really like, I got, I, I struck gold with, with my dad, I was really, really lucky, and uh, he was very encouraging to me and my brother to just kind of do weird shit. And, and, um, yeah. and so, uh, yeah, I, I kind of, um, I, I followed that, that path. Um, it's huge into uh, Dr. Seuss and Brian Froud and the Dark Crystal yeah. and all the like 80s classic stuff. And honestly, Sig, I, I see the stuff that you do. And it, a lot of that reminds me of it as well. Like you mentioned uh, uh, Peter Jackson and, meet the feebles and some of that stuff and I, that's totally you man like <laughs> I, you know and i just love i you know i'll, I'll kind of keep going on my little journey here but i just want to just kind of get off my chest that's so fantastic now I mean, I mean i realize that there's some of the limitations with the internet and some of the the technologies that are out there but the fact that i'm having this conversation with you right now is really it's it's awesome and that I'm sitting in my sweatpants, you know, basically, and, you know, in my uh, uh, bedroom, and, I, you know, and I'm, I'm talking with you in California, and we can have this conversation. I'm in Minnesota, where it's really uh -huh. cold, and um, it's, uh, I, I feel like, uh, you know, now more than ever, we're so connected, and, and we can share ideas, and, and, and the create, creativity thing is just... I real I really like see it limitless in some ways, um, and I think yeah, what you're I, what you're doing with TikTok too is exciting, and in in, in the in, like I, I say this in terms of, I look at the Chinese market and I and 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 like the art and stuff that's going on there as well, and and it's just, I I don't know I just I I just see the the world kind of shrinking and and becoming this like really wonderful thing if it's done correctly. Yeah, well, if you see that all around the world right now, there are mass anti-government protests, like the world is waking up. Yeah. And it's interesting because when I had the spiritual awakening this year, uh, the spirit, like they were telling us, like, keep an eye out, man, like the world is going to experience an awakening. And it's like, it's happening, man. Like, there's no, I don't think there's ever been a time in like history that I can remember that so many countries all at once are like having vicious, like bitter, like standing their ground and saying like, no more, man, we want freedom. And we're so, we really are like blessed here in America with the freedoms that we have. I know it's not perfect, but I think that we should really, we really need to start connecting with our fellow humans. And I think we kind of take the internet and technology for granted in that sense, because it's so I, powerful. I've, yeah, I've, I've honestly, like in the last few days, I've have like, I've been striking up random conversations with people I don't even know. And like having like really rewarding, like, but brief, like human interaction. And I think it's something that we should all like make, like even like this, like, I've been following you for a long time on Instagram. Uh, but you know, we oftentimes we just see people as pictures or so, or their right. art, you know, it's like yeah. we never get to know the people behind the art. And that's, and I just want you to know that I value this time just as much as, as you do. And uh, I think is this is really, this is really awesome to have these kind of conversations. Yeah, no, no, definitely. I, and, and, um, yeah, I, I definitely think there, there's a huge hunger for human interaction 
and and this um, and and I really hope that uh, that that there's this swing that goes in the opposite direction uh, towards and you know staying in our little bubbles and we start to break down those bubbles and we start to really start to communicate with each other and um, yeah I, I think that we're at this precipice like for example um, yeah I I, I I can't speak too too much in depth with, with it but I was just in Mexico and there's a lot of some some hairy stuff that's been going on especially in, in the north where my wife is from uh-huh. uh, and uh, you know it's 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 horrendous and and I I really I, I hope in my heart and, and my wife as well that yeah like you said people do wake up and it feels like it is it is happening and uh, you know and we, like I said we are very very lucky to live in our country and, and uh, I feel very blessed you, you go to other places and and we do have a lot of freedoms that we we do take uh, for granted but that being said um, I think that the people are 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 starting to communicate with each other and I'm hoping that people will become more enlightened and you know some of uh, 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 you know the stuff that you're preaching and the ideas that you're putting out there I think are fantastic um, you know it's called irreverentism is what uh-huh. yeah uh, I've been really enjoying listening to that um, I I find spiritualism from uh, from nature uh, I, I grew up with Judaism I did the bar mitzvah thing I did some of that stuff uh, I am uh, from a, I'm a reformed Jew which is basically uh, a hippie <laughs> you know like it's okay. the most liberal uh, form that that you get and and personally for myself um, I, I I prefer the like I said uh, I don't subscribe to, to all of the I look at the stuff as more a metaphor and uh, and I and I take that some of the uh, that stuff uh, as as guidance, but I you know in, in terms of the age of the earth, in terms of following some of the rules that someone in the Hasidim or like super orthodox uh, Judaism, I, I don't subscribe to to some of that. Mm-hmm. I think uh, religions have been because I mean like where I see it, like I see the humankind. Uh, like I truly believe that, uh, and I don't force anybody to believe this or push this, but I believe that there is higher planes of consciousness and beings that are interacting with us and helping us develop and grow. And I think that some of the past religions and stuff, they were systems necessary for the growth to put us where we are today. Yeah. And, and the problem arises when we become so steadfast in these older beliefs and we don't adapt and change with them. I'm a hundred percent on board with that. I, I think that yeah. we, we, we definitely need to evolve and uh, you know, just what people knew in the construct that they created in that, t- that time period, we've just changed so much that if a religion can't evolve and, and adapt with the, you know, then it either goes, I'll give you a story that's kind of interesting. Uh, Sig, mm-hmm. I um, I went to school in Sweden. I lived there for uh, basically uh, almost eight months, and when I was there, uh, the apartment that I, I lived in, I was talking to one of the guys, and I was like, "Hey, what what do you what do you know about Norse mythology?" And he looked at me like he was going to basically break my nose. And he said, what did you say? And I said, well, you know, you guys, you, you, you practice, you're, you're, you tell me what you know about Norse mythology. It's like, it is not mythology. He's like, my family, they believe that that stuff exists, that these, these um, uh, 
trolls and fairies and spirits that exist in nature are every bit as real as any other, you know, Judeo or Christian or Hindu belief. And that to call it a mythology is basically a kick in my nuts. And so, uh, you know, somebody that might say that that's Greek or, you know, we, we have to, I, I don't know. I just, I just think that, um, and some would maybe say, well, that, that religion didn't evolve with time and it didn't move along with the, but I, I think that the, there are ideas in all these things and we just, we, we just need to be quiet and listen a little bit and mm-hmm. uh, not take it so literally. Yeah, that's a good point too, because like I try to, I try to not necessarily use the term mythology anymore, more like theology or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, I, I believe that all of the different uh, mythologies are just stories in the same are just like period like episodes in the same grand epic of human development and its interaction with the the other side so it's and that's what they've shown us is that it's these universal archetypal energies that have interacted with mankind in different areas and they just they're filtered through different cultural lenses and they have different names all around the world and but it's it's still the same like core uh beings and and that's like reassuring too because yeah. like I, there, there is a hidden hand that is that is guiding everything, and once you really start to pay attention, you you can see just how uh, how much you know. It, it there are things playing for both sides, like good. It, well, it's not as good as good and evil. It's more like order and chaos, I think. And there always has to be a healthy uh, yin and yang balance between the two of them. You yeah. Know? Because if everything was perfectly orderly, then we would all be. C- like conformist and we would all like dress the same and everything, you know what I mean? Like yeah. everything would be so perfect. It would be a maddening. So you need the outsiders and the, the beings of chaos to break things up and, sure. and force change, you know? Yeah. I, I think you've mentioned it before, but how, how do you know what the flavor for sweetness is without sour or, you know, and, and all these things you, you, you have to have a, 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 let's say a dark side and a, a light side. You have you you will never be able to appreciate uh, a true nature of something without having the opposite the yin and yang uh, you know and um mm-hmm. uh yeah so, but I, and, and then back to kind of what you're saying uh, there is this kind of uh echo of of these kind of uh commonalities that exist in all the the religions and joseph campbell has kind of brought up some of that stuff and in, in the hero's journey and some of the you know uh-huh. those those tales and um yeah I, I i like i said uh yeah if you slow down and you kind of you start to kind of notice some of that stuff and there's a lot uh-huh. of a lot of stuff out there that we we can't explain and um uh-huh. and i think i think uh a lot of people are operating on psychic abilities they don't even know they have like imagination is a psychic ability like you're visualizing something in your head and you're manifesting it into this realm be it painting or sculpture or even a story you're you're pulling that from the quantum field and manifesting it in this reality and uh, so i think that's a good segue into your book mysterious creatures field guide sure so i like one of the you know you like you mentioned seeing star wars and it just kind of something just like it just lit a fire in you or something yeah for me it was like among movies the the D monster manuals for me 
yeah. was just like, oh my God, because it wasn't just the pictures. It was also, they all had lore and all of the creatures had a story and it was just like, it was, it was real, you know? And I think artists like as art, I think we're channels. And I think that, uh, that we actually, maybe these things exist and maybe we've seen them before in other lifetimes or like, who knows, but, uh, you want to tell me a little bit about your book? Yeah. Well, so, um, the idea in the book, uh, was that I, I, I wanted to, to have these creatures, uh, look like they were, they were based in something that could exist. And so in creating the creatures, um, you know, I, I definitely, uh, they were, there was heavy reference from actual, uh, anatomy from existing animals, uh, so that it wouldn't look like it was from another planet. Now, mm-hmm. uh, that was basically the, the, uh, the idea in that. And then, uh, I, I wanted it to be this kind of journal that, uh, was, uh, basically made aware to the scientific community like, hey, I've I've gone on this great odyssey, this great adventure. I've uh, the uh, you know I, I don't want to talk, t- talk too much about the story because I want people to 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 you know to get the book for themselves and go on their own adventure and and uh, and kind of re- read about it. But basically, the the, the basic thesis is that um, uh, this this female character goes on this adventure and she catalogs all these creatures from her adventure and she brings it back to the scientific community. And this is all set around 1890, and at that time, uh, they're they're really kind of unprepared for what she brings back to them, and and uh, it's uh, it, the, these creatures are buried, and so she takes this book, and it it kind of dies with her, and her great grandchildren discover this book, and uh, they're like, Grandma wasn't great, Grandma wasn't crazy. She went on this beautiful adventure, and uh, this is what she discovered, and. And the and, and Sigler, the, the the fact of the matter is is that so many species go extinct every single day that there is a possibility that something like this could exist. Nature is um, the the craziest stuff that I can come up with and create. Nature just basically bashes that down into the ground, and and it's it, you know I, I love it. I I, I uh, so. This was basically a uh, an exercise in trying to come up with really weird stuff that uh, was was kind of based in reality, but uh, also you know you you could imagine did it could exist. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned uh, in the email that uh, you you resonate with uh, Scott Hovey and that you know a lot of you see a lot of spirituality in nature. And uh, would you say like you channeled a lot of that into the yeah, field guide? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, so one of the things that um, that I, I try to do, I, I know you mentioned you use meditation, uh, and you use some other other things, and and in one of your podcasts you talked about going on a run, and how that kind of awakened something in you. And um, on my lunch break, I I try to go out into the woods and either hike or run, and um, and just kind of shut off, and I get so much energy from being out in the woods. And being alone, and that's something that uh, that is is uh, my my grandfather. He used to take me out in into the woods, and we would go exploring and um, you know looking for mushrooms and foraging and different things like that. And so, uh, yeah, I kind of hear his voice in my head a little bit when I'm out there, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's just this uh, 
and I get great inspiration from it, from from the colors and from the shapes and forms. And like I said, it's it's the greatest um, for inspiration. Uh, you know, you just kind of you start looking around. Um, it's it's incredible, and and even like mundane things, uh, there's magic in, in them. There there's a uh -huh. book that I had been reading to my kids. I think it's called Unseen City, and it's basically. Um, a guy that goes and and uh, he does research on the most mundane things that are in uh, San Francisco, and looks at squirrels, looks at pigeons, uh, all this really wicked, fascinating stuff that you you know you you just walk by these things and you're like, okay, that's that's a flying rat, you know, and mm -hmm. you give it you give it no credit, and uh, mm -hmm. they're they're actually really uh, pretty magical creatures and how they ended up in the United States and. Uh, they were they were considered a food source. Crows uh, are amazing. They're these hyper intelligent animals. Oh yeah, dude, I love crows. Like they have facial recognition. Have you heard about the? Uh, yeah, that's there was the clown like, mask? an experiment. Yeah, they, uh -huh. uh, they uh, some guy. If you guys haven't heard about it, this this person they did a test where like somebody was like shooing them away or something uh, every day yeah. with like a mask. And uh, anytime that person would walk by with that mask, the crows would like start attacking this person. Uh, and then the person would go out normal without the mask and they were just fine. So it's like crows remember people. And uh, yeah. Well, well, what's what's strange about that uh, is that uh, generations later, they remember that uh, anyone wearing a mask, even if it had, it's like they're passing that information on from generation to generation. It's, mm -hmm. it's insane. Uh, yeah, they they do all kinds of crazy stuff. Like for example, in Japan, um, they will take uh, like a walnut and they'll uh, uh, they'll wait by where there's a, a, a street light where there's a stop sign, and they'll they'll roll the nut underneath the tire and basically wait for the car to crack the nut for the what? Crow. Yeah. Wow, I never heard of that. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, I've I've always liked animals and yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, that, this was just, like I said, the, the book is, uh, and, and the other thing that you had just mentioned too, I'm, I'm sorry, I, my coffee is kicking in. So if I, no worries. yeah, yeah, no you can just, you can shut it. me down anytime you want, but no, that's why we call it Sputron. Cause yeah. we just, we just go where the conversation takes oh, us. Oh, I'll, yeah. I, I'm going to spew all over you. Um, no, uh, <laughs> no, uh, anyways, um, uh, so, uh, basically, uh, the book has resonated with, uh, people that, that play Dungeons and Dragons. It's been uh -huh. a huge, huge success. And, and uh, I was playing Dungeons and Dragons today on, on, on my lunch break. And um, yeah, it's, it's totally, totally my people. So nice. yeah. And, and yeah, I, the, uh, oh, sorry, oh, go, ahead. go ahead. Oh, I was just going to jump back to crows for a second. But... Sure. Go ahead. Oh yeah. So it's, it's interesting because uh, part of my spiritual practice now uh, you know, we, we give offerings to the universe and things. And, uh, one of the ways that I put up offerings is, uh, I offer things to the crows and, uh, and the spirit essentially told us that like, we can, we can trade with the crows. And it's weird because anytime I'll like offer up some food to the crows and ask for, you know, help getting a message out or something like that, like instantly I'll get like a boost in like, traction on the internet or something like that so it's like there's all of these ways to interface with the universe through nature that uh, we've just kind of forgotten yeah and, uh, you know it's i think I, I love that the big theme in your book is that you know love and respect the planet 
and uh, and all of the wonderful creatures on it. Because I really think not only just technology, but we're taking nature for granted, hardcore. Oh. And you know, even down to just honestly the the detail that is in this this existence, this reality is like like looking at your fingerprint you know like all of the just these finite details that everybody walks through every day and doesn't even they don't even look at it exactly you know? yep yeah i know it, 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 it you know for example you you mentioned that you would give things to crows well crows have a uh d- definitely have a tendency to uh return that favor and there's been multiple multiple stories where crows would bring colorful things to people. Mm-hmm. We had a situation in our um, our yard this year where um, Kim, uh, my my wife, she uh, had put out these kind of Easter eggs um, that in Mexico there's this tradition where you take um, hollow eggs and you fill them with like glitter, and basically mm-hmm. uh, you um, the kids smash these. Um, these eggs, these glitter bombs on each other, and it's this big kind of battle where they're throwing these like color bombs at each other. Well, anyways, nice. um, the the eggs are really colorful as well. The shells. So the shells laid in our yard. Well, these crows um, started coming and showing up because they loved all the color in these eggs, and they collected bits and pieces of it, and you know they were our friends for like a whole nice. month this summer, and it was so awesome. And I, I, I and I would wave at them, and I would, you know, like, they, I, you know, we really like. You look at animals, and uh, like I said, this is once again going back to slowing down and kind of taking a look around and and um, observing. They, th- there's a there's this there this this there's a sentient thing going on where they look at like you know dogs. I'm sure with your your pooch, too. Mm-hmm. There's a commu- like this strange communication that happens, and um, I, I don't know, like uh, it's amazing. And, and yeah, well, and, I mean, there's there's animal magnetism. Like, look at how birds fly together in a flock. You know, it's like there's something extra sensory happening there that keeps them able to fly. And you know, since I've been getting into spirituality and unlocking the human potential, I 100% believe in things like telepathy. I mean, it's you you feel it on a lesser degree. Like if you're you know, especially with your significant other, if they're like upset with you or something, and they don't even say anything, you, you walk know. in the room and you just like you feel that hate. <laughs> you know, it's like I can well, definitely feel the energy. <laughs> yeah, and it's like I'm married that's to a Latina. Totally, <laughs> and it's like totally nonverbal communication, but you feel it. But people, it's so inherent that people just, they don't stop for a second and realize, hey, wow, no, that is an extrasensory perception that I'm I'm having. Yeah. And when, and I think in my research, I've, they, I'm starting to learn that the way to send telepathic messages is with feeling and it's, you project a feeling and, and essentially whoever's receiving that they receive the what you're trying to say without words it's it's a feeling and it's 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 like there's so many other ways to communicate other than words words are actually quite limiting when it comes to the full scope of how you can communicate and animals are huge on that you know it's oh, like yes yeah. and they, yeah it's funny because they get yeah, every time i see crows now too like i just try to project like hey man what's up you know yeah. and usually they'll like fly away or run away but like now i can like walk pretty close to them and i'm like hey you know don't mind me i'm just yeah. <laughs> walking by and they're like yeah what's up man <laughs> yeah no i mean it, it, it's it's pretty cool um like for example 
um, dogs, they will look at the right side of your face because that's where your emotions start. So, it, you know, if you, if, you know, raise an eyebrow, some kind of anger, it always starts on the right side of your face. And so they always start at wow. looking at you on the right side of your face and work to the left. And wow. so uh, w they're picking up on all kinds of little idiosyncrasies that we are not, you know, we're, we're, we're capturing it as well. Uh, you know, there's pheromones and things that, that you know, we've kind of lost some of those things, but it, it's still there. It, it's just, you're like, why do I really like this person and this uh -huh. person I'm not attracted to at all or, you know, it, whatever yeah. it happens to be, there's there's hidden smells, there's little tiny, like, movements and things that we mm -hmm. do that, that say so much body posturing. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and, 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 and that's all, like, animals have not lost that, obviously, and they and they know, like... Those crows, they're like, this guy here is a good dude. He's not going to kill me. He he turns towards me, and he doesn't come across as threatening. Mm -hmm. you, you know, and, and animals, um, and, and they respond to that stuff. And, yeah, I, I think there's uh, a lot we can learn in terms of spirituality from, from them as well. Mm -hmm. I always think it's interesting to think about, like, when you – when you see another human and you find them attractive or not, and, and not, it doesn't even have to be in a sexual sense or anything, yeah. but like I'm fascinated by the thought that there's no way that I can know what someone else sees. Yeah. Like I don't even know if you see color the same way I do. I know what blue is and you know what blue is, but does blue look the same to both of us? Not, <laughs> a, like, not, not at all. No, not at all. Yeah. And then the same way with like someone that your friend finds attractive and you don't, you just don't see it. It's like, how does that person look to that person? You know, it's, it's so, and we're essentially just all light holograms anyway. So it's like your, your brain could be processing information and reorganizing it completely different. Well, it absolutely is. I mean, when we, for example, when we look in a mirror or something like that, we're flipping the image in our head and we're not seeing what somebody else really sees ever. We, we have this kind of idea of what we look like, and you can look at pictures, let's say, and like, oh, that's kind of, but like you said, uh, every person is going to basically see things differently by their color optics and what colors they see and what spectrums they see. Like, you know, mm -hmm. my, my boss at work, he, he's somewhat colorblind. He sees in, in, in a lot of stuff in grays, I think is what he mentioned. Mm. Well, Interesting. The, from that observation, from, from seeing it through that lens, he's able to pick up composition and stuff that I I don't spot, and like that mm. he, that looks that he'll be like that looks odd. It's just not like pleasing, and it's huh. like how are you? You know you don't even <laughs> see color in yeah. in our minds too. I, and this is another one back to my my boss. He's an awesome guy. Um, he he doesn't he described to me he and, I, and I'll ask you this question: when when you think of a significant other. Are you able to see that image of that person in your mind? Do you see a, a visual of that person? I do, but he can't, for example, his wife, he, it, when he thinks of her, he doesn't see her picture in his head. He can't, mm. he can't visualize her, but I, Interesting. but I, and I think you're probably saying most visual artists are like this, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and it, this is, this has aided me well in my career. Mm -hmm. I can, I can, if I've seen someone once, uh, ever that's in my head and i know that i know that person from somewhere be, because it's like cataloged uh -huh. now i can't remember their names but i oh i'm so bad with names <laughs> i'm horrible with names i'm horrible with numbers dates like even my kids birthdays i'm horrible yeah but, <laughs> but but in terms of uh 
you know, uh, this person's nose looks like this, you know, like I, I could leave here and draw your face. Do, do you know what I mean? Like without mm -hmm. having you in the same room with me or I can draw my wife exact, you know, like what she looks like in my head. Just, I don't have to have reference. Yeah. It's interesting because, uh, Randy and I, we've been on this spiritual journey together and we both started meditating at the same time. And I, right off the bat, when I picked it up, it's like, it felt so familiar. Like I'd done it before. And I, I literally go to a place in my head that like, I see things, I see land, like worldscapes, I see creatures, I see all of this stuff. And this whole time I was thinking that she was seeing that same kind of stuff. But actually we just started talking about today actually is that you no, know, the whole time she's been meditating, she didn't see things she, she would hear things and she would have sensations and feelings but she actually didn't uh see anything and then she's been actually working with stones to put over her third eye and now she's beginning to actually uh see visuals and i think it's uh again i think being able to it's it's something that is so natural to us visual artists that we think everybody's brain works that way yeah you know no not at all no we're, we're and, yeah the lens that we see through is everyone is completely different. And, and that's another weird one where you're like, I, I thought you thought like I, you know, and, and I'm sure you've, you've gone through this where there's been like, for example, uh, in school, I, I studied some programming that was extremely logic was extremely difficult for me. But mm -hmm. then I had friends that it was so natural and easy for them you know, and it was like, how do you not understand this? It's such a simple thing. And we, I, I, I don't know. I, I, are, are you decent at programming too? Or have you? Oh, no. I, anything that becomes too logical or orderly, yeah. um, I, I start to die inside. It's, um, I am, I am true and true to my core of being of chaos. And uh -huh. I, I need uncertainty. I need, uh, just like when it, I, like on, for instance, like working with George on Face Off, he's very much more like a technical, logical, like do this step by step by step. And me, I just like, I see something and I just grab a bunch of shit and then I just go for it. Like no plan. I'm just like burning through it. And, you know, I just go wherever it takes me. And to someone like George, like that was like oftentimes maddening. And sometimes it worked for us. And then there were times where his skill set of being logical and tactful and things actually worked better. So it's like, these are, that's, I think we are, the human race is a giant organism that is, is made to function so that we can see the entire whole from different perspectives. Yeah. And, and all perspectives are valid. And that's why, like, I think it's important. I, I was going to do a whole episode on this, but I just think it's like, I don't know. Ever since I was a kid, I just always had a sense of like, man, I, I just really like myself and I think I'm pretty badass. I don't think I'm any better than anyone at all. I just have a really healthy, like, self view. And through my entire life, I go through life and I realize like, that's kind of a rare thing. A lot of people are very hard on themselves and they don't think they're cool and badass. And, and that kind of blows me away because it's like, we're all like these amazing, like magical creatures, you know? And it's like, I, it makes me sad when people can't see their self worth. Yeah, no, that, that, that is a really, uh, that, that, that's devastating when you, you see someone going through that and, and they can't get out of that funk. And, and especially when, you know, they're, 
there is something beautiful that they're bringing to this world and, and that they can't see it. And you keep telling them and they, but um, it, it's complicated. I, you know, like I said, that's everyone's lens and the way that they approach things is, is, uh, is different. And yeah, I mean, I guess that kind of parallels back to what we were talking about. Like maybe it's because for instance, us visual artists, like we think that's natural and we sort of take it for granted because we're like, oh, everybody does that. Maybe people that like they, they think the way their mind works, they think it's just normal and they haven't realized that actually that may, that's what makes them special is how naturally their brain functions, you know? Sure. Yeah. I, I think that, um, what, one thing that kind of comes, uh, also, uh, as you, as you, as you get, um, older, and not not that I'm like you know some geezer or anything to that, that effect, but you start to kind of um, there's the the kind of uh, fuck it mentality that kind of happens where it's like hey you know I this there is a finite amount of time there isn't that much time and uh, at some point I'm gonna try to have as much fun as I can and do this uh, you know as well as I can and and. And try some things, and uh, you know, if I fail, well, fuck it. I, I'm not that I'm running out of time, but <coughs> you, you know, it, I, I think when, uh, at least for myself, when when I was younger, um, there was definitely this. I, I would beat my personally. I would beat myself up, and uh, you know, why am I not doing this? I needed, you know, and uh, there's a little bit of the for, for me, I, I, and for some people think they, they get to a point where they're they're like i'm not going to worry about that anymore it, it's just mm-hmm. it, it just it, it requires too much energy and mm-hmm. i would rather put my energy towards production and producing something that's that's cool and mm-hmm. and, and and for me like for example the book that took me seven years to make um with the help of um, oh, wow. uh yeah with the, the help of um and i'll give a shout out to uh, ernesto east of the beast brothers um, oh, nice. yeah, he, 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 like, he pushed me and he, uh, he actually with uh, the beautiful graphic design and the aging of the book and, um, a lot of the composition, he, he helped me with that and he did a, an incredible job and, uh, he, he uh, his, uh, girlfriend, uh, Christina Drake, she does uh, amazing art as well, mm-hmm. which is very in tune. Yeah, with, I, know, I know them, small world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, but, uh. Yeah. Anyways, the, the the book was basically um, this kind of hey, I want to, you know, at at night I, I was, I mean, I'll I'll, I'll be honest, I, I um, uh, had separated from my my wife for a good chunk of it, and uh, it was a way a vehicle for me also to um, uh, put something positive on a real dark time and situation for myself and mm-hmm. and turn it into something beautiful and um, yeah mm-hmm. it. Uh, um, I, I try to in life, uh, rather than focus on a negative, try, try to put that energy towards something positive. I'm not, I'm, I can be negative too, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, again, negativity is, is important sometimes because if you, it's, it's all your perspective of the negativity, it can swallow you or it can, uh, actually put a, you can see things from a different perspective and actually like, you know, know where I always say, it's like when you're putting together a puzzle, the negativity can be what like pulls you back from the puzzle so you can see how it all fits together. Yeah, you know? sure. To take a little um, break and yeah. Yeah. So I always get asked a lot uh, and I like to ask each artist that I talk to is, uh, yeah, a lot of people that are trying to pursue a creative endeavor, 
Uh, it's not the easiest, uh, but it is the most rewarding. And so how do you, how do you stay motivated? And especially at times where you're like, man, did I, am I making the right call in life? <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's a tough one because, uh, you know, and people don't always talk about it. Uh, but, um, yeah, there, there is a, you know, uh, this negative aspect, uh, where you're kind of like, Hey, I'm not as good as this person or what do I, you know, or, uh, and, and once again, um, uh, I, I think it's important to, to, to basically look at, at other people that you admire and rather mm -hmm. than, and then take that as like a, a negative, uh, put that towards a, a drive to, to, to get to that kind of next level and, and use it as motivation. And the other mm -hmm. thing too, is, um, I, I take the approach that, um, when I'm working on art, uh, that I'm going to fail. Failure is healthy. We, All part of the process. Yeah. We need to fail. And from failure comes really great things. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you work in with whatever it is and you're starting out and you're, you're, you, it, the, the stuff is, is you got to just kind of allow yourself to fail and, and suck and not be that great. And, and, and I think the most important thing, this, this kind of goes back to when I was a, a kid and I'm just kind of like, basically I'm. I was told in school that um, I, I was uh, basically not smart and that I would never make anything of myself and that, um, uh, you know, I had teachers basically go, you know, this kid is is uh, mentally disabled and he's never going to do anything with his life, which is horrible. And I, I think I think teachers are better now, but in the 70s, um, mm -hmm. teachers would, would, would say that. It was that. a different world. It was a different world. And, uh, and so basically, uh, my mom was an educator and, um, she basically, and she's a tough, tough German lady. She basically was mm -hmm. like, uh, no effing way. Like, you're not going to give up. You're not going to quit. And, uh, everything that I've, I've personally done in my life in terms of education, in terms of learning and things like that, is it's always uh, been twice as hard for me. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I, I think there's a lot to this whole, um, you know, having a career in art in that you just don't give up and that, mm -hmm. that it's tenacity. And uh, I've seen it over and over again where you, you have somebody that, um, you know, uh, they, they start out and they're, you know, I think you mentioned with the Cecil Porter was talking mm -hmm. about how when he started out, people were, you know, gave him the shit work and he was like, I don't care. I'll do it. And I'm going to like prove you wrong. And that mm -hmm. mentality of I'm going to prove you wrong and that I'm going to succeed is, is, the majority of the battle and uh -huh. for myself doing this for as long as I've done it for, I've done all kinds of different work and not all of it is the most fun in the world, you know, but it, you know, it pays the bills and it's a vehicle for me to do, you know, some fun stuff on the side or to, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta put in the time and, and, and you basically gotta, you know, you gotta pay the, the piper. Like, I'll, for example, do, you know, doing um, work for Nintendo, doing um, some of the, the concept art and, and building some of the stuff for them, um, all of that stuff sets you up in terms of working really efficiently, uh, quickly, and, you know, uh, under, under uh, you know, really, really strict time constraints. Mm -hmm. And um, with that, and also uh, working with uh, doing things in a, in a simple fashion, that is once you take that those that skill set you can apply that to anything so basically i, I take that skill set and then I, I i'm able to apply that to, to doing these creatures where i can 
you know, I, I, I can, I can basically do stuff pretty quickly and efficiently. And, uh, you know, it's like you with, with, you know, your makeup and stuff, you learn one skill. It takes a little while to get a hold of it. But once you have that skill under your belt, the next time around, you can do it so much faster and you just keep building and building and building. And then mm -hmm. the next thing you know, like, yeah, I, some of the makeup that you've been doing recently has just been next level. The there's like a chimpanzee piece that you did on uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Ranny. That was that is unbelievable. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, uh, that was a RBFX piece, and I just like applied and painted it. But that was a lot of fun. All right, so um, yes, I remember my point. Um, yeah, I love hearing stories of people's parents being really supportive of their creative. Uh, the creative side of children, because uh, again, there's so many more ways to communicate than just words. And art is a universal language, whether it be music or visuals or dance or, you know, it's, it's the rhythm of life. And in this next phase of humanity, again, like all of the the protest and the the rioting going on because people, the world is finally waking up. They want their freedom. They want to express themselves how they they want and too long we've been operating in the logical side of things like everything has to be so ordered like the way that our education system is set up is basically just to indoctrinate us into little worker bee society you know there's there's no all of the arts programs are getting cut and people don't realize how important art is to the world yeah because art is what brings us together uh, people of all walks. And, you know, so we really have to start nurturing the creative side of, of everyone and especially the younger generation, because that's, that's where the world is headed. I truly believe that this next generation, it's going to be, we're living in a really awesome time, I think. And I think we're going to see a lot of really awesome changes and we're going to see a lot of the world getting the freedom that it finally deserves and, uh, and how we're going to come together is through art. Yeah. So, well, we're certainly in this kind of time period, I think, where uh, with the automation, that's going to free up uh, the creatives in general to, to, to basically, uh, you know, do some amazing things. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure how that, what that will look like. Uh, it's, it's pretty in, insane with, uh, for example, uh, with Tesla and with those cars and how, like, my, my dad has a Tesla and that and that thing, I mean, it, it drives itself. It is, it's, it's incredible. And um, uh, he was telling me that uh, in the next couple of years, uh, he'll be able to send his car out almost like an Uber driver, and it'll work for him and basically pick people up. And what? then a share of that will basically be, you know, like he gets paid for his Holy car shit. to go work for him basically while he, Whoa. you know, like. That's, That's an amazing, amazing idea. idea. It, I mean, it, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's gonna happen. I, I believe, I believe it to, ha you know, to be true. And um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little fearful with, uh, you know, I've, I've heard some. Do you, do you uh, follow uh, like Andrew Yang? Uh, have you heard listened to any of his stuff? He's the, uh -uh. he's the, uh, he's trying to get traction, uh, basically by giving a. Uh, like a thousand dollars a month, uh, like a dividend for for people, um, and uh, his whole his whole concern is that through automation, uh, you're going to have uh, the truck driving industry is going to get decimated, um, and 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 um, 
I, you know, I, I, I don't know what I, what to think on that, but it's certainly just seeing what's, what's happening with the self-driving vehicles. And, um, I, I, I think it's coming. I, I can't speak mm-hmm. for, and so what will that look like for that industry? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. And things, people evolve and things change, but, um, his whole, his whole, uh, kind of angle is, uh, we basically, there are trades that need to be filled and that we need, you know, humans to do that. And, you know, for example, uh, uh, x-rays and some other uh, uh, things are, are, are basically going to be done by, like, surgeries. A lot of that mm-hmm. stuff, I, he believes, will be done by machines. Um, yeah. And uh, so uh, what, what will that, that future look like? And I don't think the schools are prepared for what the future is, is going to be. And um, I think certainly the we need the fundamentals, we, you know, in schools where kids understand the basics in mathematics and they uh, understand, uh, I, I think that a language that kids all should understand is uh, to, to program. I think that mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I failed in that. I, but I, I do think that that's, that is going to be a language that everyone needs to know and it's universal. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, like I said, I, I'm not sure exactly what the future is going to look like, but, but a- Andrew certainly is kind of talking about, uh, this this future of automation that's coming and and how to prepare for it and none of the yeah. other candidates are. Yeah. Well, again, I mean that's all the more so that the creative uh, sides need to be embraced and nurtured in people because think about it. Once we automate everything and our lives are so easy and simple and safe, then what the hell do we have to do? Yeah. You know, like if if all the service jobs are taken up and it's freed everybody up to really do whatever they want. Yeah. What's the world going to look like when nobody's been nurtured and nobody even feels like they're creative or they have, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, we're, it's, it's almost like uh, we're going back to this kind of Greek time of uh, philosophy and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but but at, at the end, how do we, um, you know, how do we pay the bills and how do we keep the infrastructure, keep the roads, keep the, uh, like I said, I, his, his, this the Yang's theory is basically that, uh, like I said, there's still a great need for people to work in the trades, and and, and there's great pay in it, and and I think that that's a that's a definite future. Not every it's not for everybody, um, mm-hmm. and and I think there's also going to be a, you know huge demand for the creatives, especially in uh well, well i'm seeing it on my end is the vr world thing mm. and um uh what i see happening is um in terms of a lot of the products we're going to be able to go and explore these things in a vr world and make these decisions i mean i've I have friends that are building these things now and oh. and um and so like ready player, player one status <laughs> oh it's absolutely uh yeah yep uh, for example, uh, 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 Oculus—they uh, have a, a headset that's that's completely tether-free, and you you basically and it's a really affordable. I think it's like three hundred dollars, something to that effect. Yeah. And, yep. and basically, uh, a friend uh, brought one over to my house, and I I was walking around in the backyard with this thing on, and and you're just you're in another world. And and yep. for example, if if you're at all disabled or you have a, it's difficult for you to get around, you know, you can be in all kind. it's even, like this, what we're doing right now, I could mm-hmm. essentially be in the room with you in some, so to speak, in some ways and, oh, yeah. and, and really kind of interact, you know, I don't know. It's, it, it's exciting. I, yeah. I have, I have an Oculus and it's like, it, it it's, 
I mean, growing up through the 90s, every kid wanted virtual reality uh-huh. and it just like it didn't exist. And yeah. It's like it's every kid's dream. It's everything we wanted out of virtual reality. Yeah. And I can't even imagine where it's going to go. And then that's what like I think Elon Musk has covered this, too. But it's like if you think about uh, how old the universe is and planes of existence, like I think society creation involves or consciousness involves like creation, basically. Uh, the path that we're taking as humans, we want our movies to be so convincing. We want the actors' performances to be like 100% real. We want it to look real. We want it to, we want all of our experiences to be real. And if there was a society behind us that wanted the same thing, well, then ultimately, through crazy technology, they would end up creating a reality just like this. There's, we're living in the perfectly simulated reality where we feel everything. Yeah, everybody is is essentially playing. We're the, all the perfect actors because we don't know that we're acting. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, I, like that that whole idea. It, you know, uh, many years ago, it seemed crazy to me that this Matrix thing, this whole idea. But mm-hmm. you know, being in the industry that I'm in. Uh, for example, there's a, a new uh, shading, t- I mean, I'm not going to say it's new, it's probably 8, 10 years old, but uh, there's a shading technology, it's called physically based uh, shaders, and and basically how the processing power of uh, the consoles now is so great, and, and this is, is basically they can render shadows, they can render how a photon basically is absorbed or reflects in real time. Those computations mm. back in the day my my boss, uh, he worked at Cray Computers, and I don't know if you know about Cray Computers, but in the 80s, uh, they made the supercomputers that were, were Tron, and that stuff was rendered. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, so basically, he worked on those things, and all the scientific papers and computer science papers at the time speculated that this could be a possibility, but they all laughed and goffed at the fact that, like, there's no way that, that the processing power will ever get to the beat of the point where it can basically, like render in real time lighting mm-hmm. on you know on one of these like process and it's real now and my and it's it was pretty amazing to see my boss go like guys you, you and you can't believe what's a, what's possible now and, and we we started implementing this technology uh we worked on uh recently some nascar games and um uh the cars look real like it's indistinguishable uh you you mm-hmm. you, you know at, there's times where there'll be video of a real race next to the footage of our game and the game looks more accurate and more wow. correct than the and it's just insane like uh-huh. I, and when that stuff started to happen and i started to see that kind of stuff i was like okay the simulation is definitely a possibility that could definitely be happening or or we're gonna get there and mm-hmm. uh you know it, it, uh, just just like like i said what's what's happened with the vr stuff what's happening with uh the technology across the board and the accessibility and the and, and what we're doing with like implants and all this other stuff and elon musk talks about it that um you know that he wants to have that kind of like implant that we're this kind of like collective uh all plugged into this like system mm-hmm. uh it's exciting and scary as hell like yeah it's i see it's crazy because i would kind of be on board with like the transhumanism like 
cyborg kind of thing had I not gotten spiritual. Because now I believe that we are the most advanced biocomputer there is, and we have all these inherent technologies that we don't even know how to use. And of course, the world's most advanced supercomputer comes with its own internet capabilities. Like I truly believe there is a collective consciousness that we can tap into, and we can essentially download information and um, send and receive information. Uh, we've just forgotten how to use it. Sure. And if you think about it, like time is is the fourth dimension. It's just a sing, it's a singular dimension, and there are so many other dimensions besides the fourth. And this is you know scientific fact. So in the other dimensions, you're literally outside of time. So that means you could go forward or backwards. And if you think about like the conception of a human being, it's almost like creating a little wormhole that you know a consciousness can be downloaded into a vessel, and then you have a human being and so I do believe in reincarnation, and I think that we're streams of consciousness that, you know, essentially plug in for whatever reason. We come here, learn lessons, have experiences. I think the most important part is we do this because we want the experience, because, uh, you know, existence wants to exist. It wants to create. It wants to experience. And I think that's like just the simple truth of existence is that it just wants I am because I want to be, you know. Yeah, no, I can totally see that. Um, yeah, I'm all over the place on that point, but <laughs> no, no, it, it, it uh, I, it's one of the things about my commute is it gives me some time to kind of process some of the stuff that you know, like that you're spewing, uh, yeah. and but, but no, like it's been really, uh, really refreshing, and um, uh, you know, yeah, I, in terms of packets of information and and how how is it that going back to animals and and different things like. How do they know know to do certain things? Like, how is that past? In you know, I mean, I understand genetics. I understand some of, some of that stuff. But like, uh, animals inherently know to do how to do certain things. Like, like you said that 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 vessel, that that spirit, whatever, however you want to like describe that, it is odd that uh, something would just know what to do. And uh -huh. uh, you know, okay, now I well, take this breath. I I breathe. Then I, mm -hmm. I need to like walk. I need to like my heart needs to move. Like it just uh, some of the machines are our bodies are built in a me in mechanical way that it's just inherently okay that that works like that. But how does an animal know, uh, you know, not to just walk off a cliff and die or mm -hmm. to? Th there's just some of these systems that are are buried in there in that scripture, whatever you want to call it. Well, and, yeah, and I think it's it goes back to your point about how like programming is uh, universal language, like binary code and things like that. It's like uh, the nature of our universe is coded. Like it's kind of like scientific fact, you know, like everything is mathematical and, uh, you know, it can all be reduced to numbers. And like even the Matrix kind of explained it. It's like, you see those birds? They, the Oracle says that they, there was a program written to govern the birds, you know? And it's like, if you think of the nature of our reality, in I think we're we're teaching ourselves the secrets of the universe and we don't even know it because we're creating video games, we're creating virtual worlds, and they work because they operate on the same, on the same the way that uh, the universe operates. Yeah, you know yeah sure. I mean? Like as above, so below, and it's you know you can understand the macrocosm with the microcosm, and yeah, there is yeah. this weird kind of when you are working on games. Uh, where there's this kind of like godlike thing where you're you know you're dictating like 
where this character goes and uh, you know how it moves and uh, what happens when and obviously that it's not not quite to that level but you know in animation or anything in the industry that we work in we're breathing life into these things and it, it is uh, there there is something really wonderful and amazing about that y mm. you know uh, I don't know I, I it, it is one of the really cool things about the the industry and the world that we work in and um, is that you take uh, you know uh, this this clay thing and whatever let's just use clay as a metaphor and you sculpt it into this thing that that takes shape and form and you recognize it and it has a charm and a character to it and you you know and then you start applying a story to it and everything else and it starts to kind of take off and become this this other thing and I, I don't know I it is it is really cool storytelling is really cool like that and yeah mm -hmm. So in uh, one of the emails, like kind of jumping back to nature and stuff, you said that, uh, you know, you feel like a life force when you're next to big stones or, or mountains and stuff. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Like about that. Well, um, so yeah, I, I don't, I can't really like describe it other than uh, when I get close to that stuff. And this sounds very hippie, but like I, I want to lay I'm down, right down with you, I, I want to like lay down on the stone and I want to like just spread as much of my body out on this to kind of feel as much of this thing with as much of my body that's possible. And I don't know mm -hmm. what that, what the hell that is, but, uh, you know, when I, when I get around, uh, you know, mountains and, uh, like little canyon areas and there's just, I, I there's this like force there and, uh, it, I, I get energy from it. I feel mm -hmm. amazing. And, uh, and, 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 and I mean, like I said, I, I, I don't know what I, that might, might be once again, one of these primitive things that's kind of res, residual leftover, uh, from, you know, when we were, you know, cavemen running around and we're, but, um, you know, when you get around stuff that's very, very, very old, I just feel like there's some kind of like a, an energy there and, uh, and mm -hmm. I definitely pick up on it and, and, and feel great when I'm around it. Yeah, I dude, I totally totally get it, man. Like I I have uh like sometimes when I'm feeling a little off in something, like I'll go outside and I'll take my shoes off. Excuse me. I'll take my shoes off and my socks off and I'll just stand on the ground yeah. and I will just like I'll just feel myself anchor myself to the earth and feel the the grounding energy of the earth and it's like yeah, I feel great. I feel yeah. amazing and I've in like they they've even done studies, I don't know if you heard about this, but where like babies would cry. And uh, they like colicky babies, and then the mom would like stand barefoot on the grass, and then the babies would just stop crying. Is it like it like completed this circuit, and then the baby was feeling the the grounding energy? Yeah, and yeah, it's like it's uh, Randy does a lot of like stonework and crystal work, and each one's do different things and things, like, and I totally believe it. It's but, like yeah. it, they're there's like coded information within the crystals. And I think even like quartz is a part of like microchips or something. Like they actually encode information in quartz. Or well, something. silica. And, yeah, sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, like even water, like I heard, I read an article, they can store data in water too. You know, it's. Yeah. Yeah, is, definitely. It's interesting, but. Um, yeah, no, yeah, I, I think it's. it's uh, oh, sorry. Well, so uh, uh, like in, in northern Minnesota, there's uh, what's what's called uh, the granite shield. And basically, um, that is uh, these these uh, 
ancient rocks that were left over from when the glaciers kind of pushed their way down towards uh, into Minnesota and made their way kind of midway. And uh, you have these um, large, large uh, deposits that uh, have a ton of iron ore and steel and uh, these real heavy materials. And uh, they do uh, a lot of research uh, in the uh, these areas. Uh, I believe it's uh, it's dark matter that they're mm-hmm. able to capture. And because of the density of this basically uh, steel, these these uh, iron ore formations, that uh, they're able to capture these very very rare particles. And mm-hmm. um, it's some of the oldest rock on the planet and you go up to the boundary waters and in that area that kind of uh, Canada Minnesota region and it's there's there's something kind of mystical and and really cool uh that uh, I'd love to go there you you gotta come sometime man yeah that'd be great I've seen wolves up there dude and nice I I've you'll you'll, there's nothing that you will ever experience in your life when you look a wolf in the eye, I, I've been maybe 30 feet from from two wolves. I was wow. in a car, but uh, yeah. um, they were on an old logging road, and um, um, I, me and my uh, my brother-in-law par- pulled off to the side, and, and they basically like that. When you see an apex predator and they look at you, that's another one where there's a, like a connection with uh, a spirit that yeah. Native Americans describe it all the time, and. But uh-huh. they look right through your soul, and they see who you really are. They're, I don't know. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. And it's, again, like, it's something you just know. And, like, the knowing is a lot more than just knowing. Yeah. <laughs> like, you yeah, know, right. it takes a minute to think about that one, but it's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you experience these things, uh, you can try to explain it to people, but you, unless they experience it themselves, there's no way you could ever, like, I, you know... It's, it, it, there's a lot it's, that's all life in, all life mm-hmm. in general like until someone experiences it for themselves then I can try to give advice you can try to give advice but but people have oh. to live it themselves yeah that's why I'm always about like you can listen to my stories but I know you probably won't believe me until something happens to you yeah. but hearing my story makes you actually be on the lookout for maybe your own experiences because I like we're we're on autopilot all the time and, yeah. and we don't even realize it and we miss a lot of the magic and the wonder of life. Yeah. What, what, and, uh, sorry. Oh, what what's one of the crazier ones that I mean, I've caught some of your most of your podcasts, caught most of them. But uh, what what's one that really stands out like an experience for you that's like holy shnikes, like that is that is bonkers. How do I can't explain that. Is um, there one so, if you're well, yeah. willing to share? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um a lot of when all of this started, there were different archetypal energies that would come to us and, uh, and we would do like some meditations and things. And I would see these vivid visions and, and have these feelings uh, that are just indescribable and uh, almost like psychedelic experiences, but like with no psychedelics. And uh, there was one time where I was going to like out back to offer some things to the trees. And uh, in, if you, the, the way that I'm starting to learn how to communicate with the, my guides and things is that the voice in your head is is your guides talking to you. You know, it's that little angel and devil on your shoulder. Like, that's, that's actually an entity that, like, I think there's a version of ourselves outside of time and space, like I said, um, that lives in all time. And that that's our main guide through this life is it tries to steer us in the right direction. Um, but 
uh, I went outside and uh, I was offering things to the trees and I just like, I touched the tree and I looked up and I swear I saw the, the eye of the trees like staring at me and I felt it like breathing and it was just like, like I stared at the tree and the tree stared at me. Kind of like if you stare into the void, the void stares back. Okay. And uh, the the best way I could describe the eye of the tree is, you know, those camera flash, like when a camera flashes and you see like that little, a little thing of light yeah. that kind of floats around. It, it looked like that, but it was like in the shape of an eye and it was just staring and I could, I could feel it looking at me, you know, it's it more than just uh words and you know it's kind of like an indescribable experience and then and at other times i'll have have these waves of like memories that i can't even describe and i just i know something without knowing it you know yes i think once you start digging in your subconscious and stuff it's it's just so miraculous but words can't even almost like seeing a photograph of a majestic place it's you know it's it's not nothing even comes close to actually experiencing it, you know. It, you know, like uh, another one that that really kind of throws me. This happens to me a lot, and maybe this happens to you as well. But for example, um, I you know I knew we were going to do this podcast, and um, I, you know I'm I'm not an audio guy. It's not really my. Uh, and uh, this this guy that uh, me and Kim had met maybe two years ago. Um, he out of the blue, uh, he's an audio guy, contacted me like two days ago and was like, we got to get together. And, um, you know, it, it's just, and then I was cleaning and I found his business card, you know, and, and just the most odd, like the, the, you just can't explain that stuff. And it oh. was just like a little like message, you, you know, like, uh-huh. hey, uh, this is happening. Prepare, you know, like you got to get in contact with this person. There's just so many of those things that happen, and uh, I try to listen to that stuff and go like, okay, I should, I should probably take notice of this and yeah. do something with it. And just the simple shift in perspective of like, oh, that coincidence was very particularly trying to tell me something. Yeah. Like if you actually just use your imagination a little bit and believe that that was trying to tell you something, you can start to navigate your life much, much easier and much more efficiently because the universe is every turn, like if, whether it's a bug that flies next to you and lands next to you, like it's trying to give you messages every moment of every day. Yeah. It's just whether, are you listening or not, you know? Yeah. And that that doesn't have to be defined as any kind of God or anything like that. Like I find that the most palatable thing is just to call it the universe because, you know, that was... There was an interesting when Randy was channeling and I was like, I wanted to know every deity. I wanted to know who exactly we were talking to and all this, you know, all these exciting questions. But they were like, you know, does does an artist need to know all the ingredients in the paint that he uses? And I was like, wow, that's that's some deep shit, man. Yeah, no, we don't. No, you just go with the flow. Yeah, you like I I just put the paint down and I don't need to like knowing the ingredients would not improve the my artistry and my creation at all, you know. And I think that this this nature of our existence and reality is so complex that at some point you just you have to inherently just start to feel it because yeah. it is indescribable. It's you know, you can't and it's I find that I'm connecting a lot of people that with with a lot of people that that are so connected to nature because you inherently, whether your your views on spirituality or not, it's like your connection with nature is so powerful that you you know there's more to this without 
fully knowing how to describe it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, it, it's just one of those things where uh, it just feels really good to be out there and, and um, I, I like I, basically here in Minnesota, there's a lot of lakes. Uh, there's almost like 13,000 lakes here. And so, um, you know, when it's in the summertime, people are in the lakes as much as they can because it's mm. shitty most of the year here. And, uh, and that's another one too, where in water, I also get a lot of energy as well. And it's another one I don't, I don't really, I'm not sure what, you know, why, why that is, but, uh, mm-hmm. for, for me, have you, have you ever done the, uh, sensory, sensory deprivation tank? I, I absolutely hundred percent want to do that. I've done a variation of it where I just like was on a pool floaty in the pool, Okay. but I really want to do the, the sensory depth chamber for sure. Okay. So, so I, I have done that. And, nice. and, um, that, that one for me, uh, you know, like I've done some meditation, but that was the one where, um, you know, I, 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 the breathing technique is really difficult for me. I'm not sure why. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, in terms of the, just shutting everything out and just having that, those kind of crazy visuals where you close your eyes and you start seeing like pixelate, pixel, pixel, pixelization and different uh, visuals and tracers and different stuff, and then seeing wild, wild imagination creatures, whatever, it was fantastic for that, and uh, and relaxing. And yeah. for and for me, a lake is pretty similar. Where mm-hmm. when I when I basically I'm laying on my back, floating, and I have my mm-hmm. ears underneath the water, yeah. that I get that same kind of uh, situation. Other than the fact that my eyes are open and I. I'm getting the visuals of clouds, uh, uh, you know, and sometimes I'll close my eyes and, and maybe get closer to that. But um, that's one where uh, in terms of uh, shutting down the system and, the, and letting the kind of the, the mind just wander a little bit, I, I found the sensor deprivation tank and, uh, you know, being in water has been really good for quieting my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh... That was exactly how I did it. It was like something about being right at your ears. Just my nose was above the water. Yep. And I was just like, I was everything and nothing at all. Yeah. And and if you can tap into being nothing and everything, then you start to, you feel how connected everything is and how we're all just separate parts of the whole. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, uh, man, yeah, that's, I really want to try a sensory deprivation. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, um, like I said, it, 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 uh, I don't know how to describe it other than, uh, and I like to do it again. I've only done it once. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was fantastic, but it was, for me, it was more, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't get the kind of the, the that breathing technique and the, there was a mm-hmm. little element of claustrophobic thing there yeah. for me. Uh-huh. Um, but in terms of the closing your eyes and really getting the kind of the, the visuals for me, mm-hmm. that that's what I I really really got out of that, and I, I thought nice. it was, I highly recommend it. Yeah, for those of uh, listening that might not know what sensory depth is, it's where basically these like little pods where, I, if I'm not mistaken, they're filled with like salt water yeah. or something like mm-hmm. that. So it's when you sit down on it, you become essentially completely weightless. And they close the lid and it's pitch black. And so you basically see nothing and you you feel there's no sensation of being on the ground. You're just weightless in a, in a black abyss. There's no sound in it. Yeah. And then that's when your mind uh, takes over and you you essentially go into your subconscious. And 
I think it's just a, it's awesome. And also, I mean, uh, in Stranger Things, that's what she's, that's what uh, Eleven is doing. They, they put her in a sensory depth chamber. And there's also a movie called Altered States where, uh, they, I got to go back and watch that, but it gets really trippy and weird. Dude sees like all kinds of crazy shit. Um, it's another Minnesota company. Represent. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. they, that started out of here, strangely. I, I, maybe it has to do with the fact that uh, it's cold and uh, the winters are harsh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you said in the email too that you think like fishing and hunting and and things like that really gets you back in tune with like nature in, in a spiritual sense. Here's uh, what, kind I, of. yeah yeah I mean for 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 me, um, uh, I I think that it's important that if you're going to eat meat and I understand accessibility is 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 an issue for for some people I I mm-hmm. I'm privileged in that way and I can and uh, and I'll be really honest on that, but I if you have the opportunity to go fishing and and to catch a fish and to respect that fish kill that fish eat it and enjoy it and thank it for giving its life to you we do all we we kill all kinds of things even if you're you're plant-based plants you're still killing something and and it's scientific fact that plants have feelings too you know it's and yeah. and so I, I I believe that it's important that to respect whatever it is, and, and be ethical about it. We we need to know or have an understanding of where these things come from and what they're giving to us, so that we can walk around and uh, have these kind of conversations. For <laughs> no, but yeah. uh, you know that it's a privilege, and um, yeah. And, and so I I personally. Um, I, I think that um, you know hunting and fishing it's it's a great way to uh, also be a steward to, to nature. Uh, the uh-huh. a lot of the uh, uh, for example in Minnesota the trout streams that comes from stamps from people that um, f- fish for trout and 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 so they have uh, DNR f- officials and people that go out and clean the streams. That money comes from hunt, hunting and fishing. These are the people that are on the ground that see the stuff, and when it starts to stream, or uh, you know any kind of natural site starts to get uh, polluted, they're the, the stewards and the first ones to call to attention. Like, hey guys, you know, I don't know if you are aware of this. There's no bees anymore. Uh, our our basically our fields next to these farms are are being destroyed, and there's nothing for the bees to. And then how that directly relates to me is I hunt pheasant. Well, the pheasant have nowhere to hide because there's there's no um, wildflowers and grass to hide in because the farmers have used pesticide on, on everything and and now uh, it's just those little so hunt, hunting and fishing kind of like it, it forces you to kind of walk around in these places and and to actually re- to really respect the things that are giving their life for us because you know the majority of us go to a grocery store me included. And, uh, you know, I get something in a piece of cell, a piece of meat and cellophane and, uh, I eat it It's delicious, but I don't really think about like, Hey, this was went through a plant. And I know you mentioned something about working in a chicken farm and, Mm -hmm. and, and having, you know, we have to understand that like, you know, where the stuff comes from and what its life looks like and respect it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I'm, I'm like, I'm not on any high horse here. Uh, I definitely, Mm -hmm. uh, you know. I could do better, but, um, uh, you know, yeah, well, it's, um, I think that's like, I'm really glad that 
you know, you do like hunt and fish and things because a lot of times like people with like more liberal mindsets or something like that, like it really seems like the coastal mentality gets really hard on the Midwest or like Midwest or middle country uh, for like hunting and fishing. Like it's so barbaric and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, you don't realize that when you're doing that, you, you have a connection. Yeah. Like you said, like you're there, you are, you are putting in the effort to, to hunt this animal and you're respecting it. And, and it's in a, in a, in a sense, just like the native Americans and like that, like Avatar did a great way of describing too. It's like they kill the animal and then they thank the animal yeah. for its, yep. you know, its offering. And, but we're, we're so broken as a society now is we, because we've become so detached and now we're breeding all of these animals. Like, and there, there is no relation with the, the meat that is consumed and kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier with, um, you know, crows and how they pass information down the line. Well, what are, what are we encoding into this generations of meat where we just like corral them into like stinking, you know, tight cramped spaces. Like this is just, it's just misery being encoded into misery, you know, each generation. So it's like, and I'm big on like vibrations and stuff. So basically we're just surviving on low vibrational meat, you know, and it's, it's, but to actually get, out there and hunt something from the wild and thank it and be grateful for its its sustenance is is a completely different experience and and people should should realize that and not be so hard on on hunting and you know what i mean yeah i mean uh, so i'm gonna just throw something else for you like i i lived in california almost eight years and so i got Uh, i you know I, i can see both perspectives i i you know but but i will say this um for example Living in Minnesota and and spending a lot of time in in the Midwest, uh, there are a lot of people uh, that that they survive on the deer, the venison, on on the meat that that they. My my grandfather, when he was a kid, um, he would shoot a rifle until his uh, arm was black and blue, uh, killing um, birds that would help him survive through the winter. Like that. that my mm. mom would would feather uh, the birds that they caught. They would eat raccoon. They would eat whatever was available, and they survived on that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that there's this people forget that there are a lot of people that you know, th- even in California, that that hunt and that they sustain themselves and they provide for their families through hunting. Mm-hmm. And uh, my personal uh, thoughts on this is. Wouldn't you rather um, kill something that's eat something and kill something that's had at least a decent life and that's been allowed to? I'm not I'm not saying allowed, but to 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 live uh, you know the life that it was meant to live, and then mm-hmm. you you harvest this animal, fish, bird, uh, uh, and you harvest it and you use every part of it and uh, and it sustains your family like. I think I think that, that that to me I I personally I I we had venison the other night, and mm-hmm. um, you know there were in my life there's been lean times that that deer meat has really been like a, that's been the only meat that's been in the house mm-hmm. for my kids, mm-hmm. and so I really think that we need to um, y- you know that there. I think that yeah, they're they're that we 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 basically we 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 can't turn a, a blind eye to that, and that mm-hmm. uh, we need to think about that and go like, hey, 
you know, maybe I need, you know, if I'm going to eat meat, maybe I, I, I at some point need to harvest something and, and go through that process of killing this thing and, and understanding and respecting it more. Because I think mm -hmm. once you kill something, this is, I, and someone, some person might call me barbaric, but you, like, for example, anytime I kill anything, I eat everything. I respect mm -hmm. that animal way more full, to its fullest. And, mm -hmm. and the stuff that I get from the grocery store, I'm guilty. I'll throw stuff away sometimes. And it mm -hmm. kills me a little bit inside. Uh, but, um, yeah, that's this kind of weird life and, and, and existence that we're in right now. And I, I definitely think that we would be better as a society if, if people, you know, did kind of respect animals a little bit more. And I, and I definitely think that the factory farms would look a lot different. I, I do. I think uh -huh. that, that people would, you'd have a lot more uh, free range and a lot more uh, respect for the animals. Uh -huh. I'm also, but I, I think, think, yeah, go ahead. I think too, like with the, the invent of like uh, great meat substitutes that are, they're really up in the game is that I think um, a lot of like, I hopefully see society shifting a lot more into that too, because like, it's not, you don't necessarily need to eat meat. Uh, some people it is a necessity and it's, uh, you know, but it's, I think if, if we were to balance that out, we would solve the problem of factory farming where if everybody that didn't need to eat meat, like didn't eat meat. Uh -huh, you know, sure. And, and it would like really balance, it would be good for the environment and just, you know, then, yeah, then we can have those more free range farms and stuff, but it's like trying to get people to break their habits is, is, uh, it's a tough one. <laughs> have you dabbled in uh, insects at all? Have you eaten insects or? I have not. And uh, I used to be like, oh, man, that'd be weird. But, uh, you know, I would be open to it now. But now I'm uh, uh, I, I'm vegetarian. But, you know, I'd like I, I've read done a lot of research that like, yeah, hunger and things like we could radically change the world if we start uh, consuming more bugs. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, uh, me and my wife, uh, we spent time in. Uh, Mexico City and uh, 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 Oaxaca and different areas and uh, definitely uh, you know bugs are part of the menu and I mm -hmm. love them I honestly they they have the chapulines which are uh, grasshoppers and crickets and nice. um, I I found them to be really we eat shrimp and we don't think anything of it and it's essentially another large basically uh insect we eat crabs which are giant spiders and lobsters and oh it's a delicacy and it just takes the right person to basically market it in the correct way and the next thing you know, you know i i highly recommend it that's where i guess where i'm going with it yeah i like i'm a very adventurous eater so um yeah so i, I like that we've this conversation is like it's it's done like a weave in, in and out of uh, nature and animals and and you're, we talk about your field guide and stuff. Um, so, like your creative process when when making these creatures, like because like I said, we're all channels and stuff. Do you feel like you maybe like that you've seen these creatures like in real maybe somewhere else before? Do you think they actually exist somewhere? Yeah, I do. No, yeah. I you know. Um... I, I basically, like I said, I have this kind of photographic memory, and mm -hmm. uh, one of the things as a kid, like I would just go through every animal field guide journal that I could get my hands on, and uh, you know, my brain is this kind of uh, uh, mix and match weird 
machine where it just takes things and kind of chops them up and puts them together in weird weird ways that I think kind of aesthetically like work and uh and so yeah I mean I I I'd like to and I'd like to believe these things are out there you, you know yeah dude I 100% like all of the weird aliens and the stories I come up with I like even now so that I've gotten spiritual like I 100% believe these exist in some universe and somewhere in the galaxy like undoubtedly these things are real oh you I think I I've just, just you know, I've just seen them and I'm just, I'm just basically retelling what I've saw. Oh man, I've I, seen, I, you know. I know you're like your cigarette character and those, <laughs> they're, they're out there, man. Totally. <laughs> yeah. No, that's so, a, yeah, I could totally see that your, your, your creatures out there. And speaking of that, Sig, I was thinking about it like, man, I can see your stuff like in this like 3D version of, uh, like uh, Ren and Stimpy kind of that. Oh, man, I love that. Do you know what I mean? Like your yeah. stuff just fits right in there. Like just perfect. Like I could totally That's... see you working on something like that. that. Yeah, I take that as a big compliment because like the Ren and Stimpy, like the, especially the extreme close up. Yeah, yeah, panels, exactly. The, the eyeball just, and like, it's just like the hairs and, and the uh-huh. totally. Like, I just, I love that sleazy, gross. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> it's rad as hell, man. Like I, I just, I super dig your stuff man and it it really makes me like yeah so when you yeah because i don't know i don't know where my stories for my creatures come from but that's people always ask me like man your your characters are so expressive and 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 i just say it's because i i have a there's a story to everything i create so where do you because on each in the page of the mysterious creatures field guide uh, every creature that you draw comes with a little blurb about it. So where where do you do you draw the creature first and then come up with the story, or do you come up with the story and then draw the creature around it? Well, so typically, what I I'll, I'll tell you my process. So typically, uh, um, I will go with uh, a few like keywords in my head. Like, okay, I want something that is mam- like a mammal, mammalian. I want yeah. it to uh, like be tree dwelling, and I want it to have big eyes. Let's just say, you know. Then, then what I'll do is I'll start looking at all kinds of creatures that fit like actual animals that live in that realm. What I'll do is uh, I'll, I'll take those and I'll have them as reference like in the computer, let's just say. And uh-huh. uh, what I'll do is I'll, uh, I'll start chopping parts of them and putting them in, together, c- kind of creating this like chimera kind of thing. Uh-huh. And uh, it'll be and I'll, and I'll print it out like in like basically like a, a really light like 10%. Sometimes I won't, I won't print it out. I'll just go from the reference and just start sketching. Uh-huh. And then uh, basically I work everything out with like a smudge stick and uh, basically um, pencils. Uh-huh. And uh, that allows me to kind of get the forms and to get a grayscale of what the thing looks like. So I can really kind of establish the anatomy, establish uh, hair, fur, where scales are going to be. Um, you know, just really start to work things out. Then what I do is I take that drawing that is basically a graphite pencil drawing, I scan that back into the computer, and then I print it on watercolor paper. And that is the kind of the process of building colors. And so from okay. and so from there, um, I'll print it on you know uh, between like a 13 by 19 or 8 by 10 you know 8 by 11 sheet, and I'll start doing these um, a mix of. Uh, mixed media in terms of uh, colored pencils, acrylics, watercolors, uh, whatever it takes to kind of get the right consistency, which is essentially like a gouache technique, more or less. And mm-hmm. um, and, and and that was another thing that, that Cecil Porter had kind of mentioned that I'll kind of like, I do a similar thing. 
and uh, which is kind of the Drew, uh, uh, I forget his name, the uh, poster. Struzan. Struzan, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which allows you to kind of work quickly and to build things out. So once once that has been uh, created, then uh, it will either be scanned or photographed, scanned back into the computer, and then I try to on on this particular field guide, I try to do very very little Photoshop work, um, just because I want it to look like it was, you know, hand embellished, hand created, and and mm-hmm. so that it's authentic to the time period. And mm-hmm. the idea, the the reason why I, I set this character in I think around 1890 is that uh, it was like pre the uh, the camera accessibility was difficult so a person mm-hmm. that would go out would have to basically do the drawings rather than paintings rather than just take a photograph uh-huh. and so that's that's kind of like uh, my thought process in that and uh yeah that's i you know uh basically it's uh that that's kind of the, the process that i go through and then once that character has been established and it's and it's and it's pretty rock solid and it's working more or less, um, uh, then I start to kind of think of the name and I start to, to really kind of start to like uh, create the the architecture of you know okay well this thing uh, would blend in with this particular surrounding so this is might be where it lives like it, it's kind of it's up in the trees so it's arboreal and it it you know being up in the trees it might eat these particular fruit and then that starts to kind of like dictate where the story kind of starts to go and how does it mate in you know like how does it present its typically males tend to be uh, more colorful for whatever reason uh-huh. in nature and the females tend to be a little bit uh, more subdued coloration uh, that's probably because when they have the eggs they have to hide and the males can be jackasses and flatter, <laughs> you know so uh so basically that that informs kind of some of the colorization and um it, it's all of these things and then it's also kind of understanding like loving nature and and understanding mm-hmm. kind of some of this stuff and and basically building these stories around kind of pre-existing stories that exist already and yeah yeah, I, I think if it, it's very important that if uh, my advice to anyone that wants to do monsters or creature work, whether it be painting them or drawing them or sculpting them, uh, you you need to understand nature and you need to understand anatomy because there there are certain universal rules that once you understand them, you can bend them and you can and shape them into fantastical creatures that are much more believable because they still follow some common thread of like nature. Yeah. You know? yeah. I, I mean, one of the best lesson, if you really, really, really want to be incredible at doing creatures and anatomy and you're willing to get, a, you know, do some gross things, uh, I find that the, the best artists tend to be uh, the, the people that do taxidermy, honestly. Yeah. 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 Um, they, they, uh, you know, and if you ever get a chance to look at uh, uh, some of the uh, the sculpts that these guys do, and 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 like award-winning taxidermists, it's unbelievable, and yeah. it's a whole other world. And I know mm-hmm. it sounds like this cheesy kind of Midwest thing or whatever, but uh, like I, I, they're they're next level. I, I see the stuff yeah. these guys do, and I, oh, I, love, I, I, I hope love to someday, yes. if I can, you know, to be. I'm not per. I got a long, long way to go. Yeah, I just. I mean, just the design of nature itself is so. 
exciting and cool. Like I was just telling Randy yesterday, I was like, man, do you know how fucking perfect the human hand is? Like think about navigating this three-dimensional spatial reality and the things that we need to do. Like our hand is fucking awesome. Like, yeah. It can play the piano. It can play guitars. It can draw. It can hold it. You know, it's like it can punch. Like yeah. it is. I can't imagine like a better design. It's incredible. Know? Yeah. Like it, if we had like claws or something, it would get stuck on things or, you know, but it's like, boom. It's, the hand is the one thing that, uh, uh, from what I understand from uh, an engineering standpoint and uh, robotics is so difficult I've to, had. to manipulate to, to the degree of text, not dexterity that we have. And that they say that, uh, hair cutting will be a profession that will most likely continue through the future because, uh, that, you know, I'm not sure how the surgery thing will work, but there must be a way that they can, they can kind of pre-plan movements and things. And yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly how that'll work, but, yeah. but in terms of these utilimits. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing too, I, uh, there's been a lot of talk about in terms of plumbing is another one where that's extremely difficult for a robot to, to basically perform. So if you're, fine, if you're fine with getting dirty, you're going to have, you're going <laughs> to always have a lot of money. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Well, uh, man, it has been awesome talking to you, and uh, we should definitely do this again. And uh, oh hell yes, you know, this has been awesome. Yeah, it's like I like I said, like at the beginning of this, and even more so now. It's like it's it's been an honor to just like connect. Uh, yeah. On a on a human level, and talk about art and life and and everything in between, and and we live in a cool age where we could do that. Oh know? my God, yeah, yeah. And then, like I said, man, I I know both both of us have some some awesome stories that have not been we didn't really even get a chance to dip into. Yeah, we didn't even crack in. Yeah, we we'll have to come. We'll have to. Uh, I'll have you back, and we'll like just do like a huge like dive into like paranormal and uh, yeah. all that fun stuff. <laughs> oh oh yeah, I mean especially like I, well. I, if I can just do it really quick, I don't have. Oh yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Well, no, so so uh, I uh, have a friend who uh, her her stuff just basically made it into like the the big paper here, but um, she has a, an art shop in an area called Northfield where I work, and basically uh, uh, this area has a lot of uh, paranormal activity. Um, it, it's famous for. Uh, Jesse James had a giant shootout in this town oh, wow. uh, way, way back in the day. And uh, it was the uh, James Younger gang. And a lot of people were killed. And um, anyways, this area, this this her shop, uh, two days ago in the morning, captured a pretty amazing specter. Uh, and um, Yeah, you sent me that video. That That's insane. Yeah, her, like, her it, shop is called Sketchy Artist. And, nice. and she's a really rad lady and her her co-worker uh was like we gotta talk there's been all kinds of bizarre stuff that's been happening and she was like wait till you see what i captured on video on the motion capture thing now wow. i don't know I, I you know it could be an insect people have said all kinds of different things like dust whatever but the i i'm a theist i i like stories i look at this thing and uh you know it's cr the way it moves and and oh, it glows yeah, it's like you know i've i'm all about like okay if it's if it is uh if there's a rational explanation like let's find it you yeah know? um 
But that to me, like, it doesn't look like a bug. It it moves so it almost like the form of it, like, looks like a water droplet moving through the the space. And the way it moves, it goes around, like, through a room and around a corner and in front of yeah. stuff. And it's just like, it, it the, it's just so slinky and strange the yeah. way it moves. I don't, I don't know. A, it, is, is this did this video is it getting like traction like yeah yeah attention? i mean it's like i said it's it's uh it's in one of the local um it's like city pages it's like a uh, okay, minneapolis what, uh, what's what do you think of like some keywords that people could google to, if, if to they went to like video. minneapolis city pages and uh looked up uh sketchy artist uh ghost uh I, you know I'm sorry, I don't have more of the information in front of me. No, that's but, right. I'm sorry that, that um, yeah, they'll they'll find the it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. yeah, yeah, definitely check, check that video out. Oh, it's it's, it's trippy. bonkers. <laughs> There's a couple different ones on there. There's like another like uh, convenience store where uh, like the doors open up on uh, the soda whatever the uh, glass. Uh, and then uh, some chip bags pop off, and you see a specter go oh, around. Man. You see the what? like. I mean, I, I've seen enough stuff in my life that it does question an afterlife, and let's well, let's talk more about that on our next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if, if you got time, we could we could uh, crack into it now. I just didn't know if uh, if it's getting late where you are, or um, uh, well, I guess I could go for another fifteen minutes, I suppose. All right, you know what? Let's like bonus round here. Let's get let's let's dig into this. Uh, the ghosts and stuff. How, what, uh, have you experienced anything spooky personally? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so b- basically, um, as, as a kid, um, uh, I lived in an old house and, um, uh, basically, um, I would, I'd wake up at night and, uh, uh, had model airplanes that were, uh, secured to the ceiling by like a model filament line. Uh-huh. And I uh, would look up, and one plane would fly one direction, the other plane would would spin around in a different direction. So, wow. uh, like, no wind current would make these things basically spin like they did. Um, uh-huh. And uh, there was uh, in the summertime, um, I had a prep. There was a, I'd have a sheet on, and I would physically feel a presence get like lay next to me in the bed where the bed like compressed and yeah. i would and i would i would hear and feel it breathing uh on me next to my body while i was like underneath this blanket like covering my head everything you uh. know and um yeah I, I just uh there was just just a lot of uh, uh things where um stuff would move you'd put things in certain spots and stuff would you know a, a lot of like unexplained stuff doors opening different Uh, things that you would you come home and you'd hear all kinds of sounds upstairs um when you when it was laying next to you this this entity like could you sort of infer any information about it where like gender or uh i mean it was like it was big it was big um i you know that's all i could really describe as it was Whatever it was, it made—I mean—it made an impression in the bed. Like it, it there was weight to it. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I find that sometimes, like it, especially in my experience too, uh, it, it's funny because when you mentioned like facing off with the wolf, uh, when I was in the face-off cast house, I woke up like face to face with this shadow being, and it was screaming in my face. And it, there was necessarily not really a human form to yeah. it. Yeah. 
But the information that I could infer from it is that it was a woman. Okay. And uh, so there, there are little like psychic extrasensory things that sometimes I infer from energies when I have like paranormal experiences. So I was just curious if like. I, I any, would, any I, if I would that. guess it was younger, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like a te- uh-huh. teenager or a young adult. Yeah. Uh, just because the stuff that would, it was fucking with me, I feel yeah. like. And, um, yeah, no, I think it was like like malevolent or no, I think it was like prankstery kind of just, you know, like, ah, I'm going to mess. Like it it wasn't in, and, um, there was like a, one particular situation was kind of a creepy one was, uh, so the way the kind of layout of the upstairs, uh, bedrooms, uh, basically was this kind of, uh, corridor and on one end of the house, there was, uh, me and my brother's room. In the middle, uh, there was a spare bedroom, and then on the far end, uh, the other side of the house, there was my parents' room. And then there was kind of like, uh, as you walk towards my parents' room on the right side, there was basically the bathroom, and then the, and then past that bathroom, there were stairs to go downstairs. And um, I would I would feel this presence sometimes, and I was in a bunk bed, and I could look down the corridor towards where my parents' bedroom is, if that makes sense. And uh-huh. I, and uh, I there was one night where a arm waved at me from that spare bedroom like hey i see you're watching Uh, me down here you know and you that kind of a dark like you said this it wasn't like a definitive like a body or it was just this like dark hand arm thing that waved at me and it's like like blacker than black right like yeah yeah, like a weird like antimatter or something Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah um Oh, that's cre- Ooh, that's creepy. Yeah, that, little, little like hand waving. And oh. every, you know, and at, at night I would, you know, sometimes I'd get up and I'd have to use the bathroom, and it was always terrifying. And uh, you know, I would get in and I would, you know, I'd get my Dixie cup of water and I'd be <laughs> drinking the water and I'd be peeing and like all the hair, like every time, like all the hairs on my, you know, there was something there. Yeah, it's giving me chills right now just imagining it. Yeah, yeah it's like that. Those like mid like nightly bathroom trips as a kid, yeah. especially when you're in a haunted house, is like terrifying. Ugh. Yeah, and and basically like I um you know, it, it was one of those things where uh we moved uh when I was I don't know thirteen I guess, and I and in the new house that we moved into, I I waited years for this thing to follow us. I I was so used to it that I uh-huh. just I was like, when is this thing gonna like? And even to this day. Um, you know, I, I, I moved back from California, moved uh, back to, to, to Minneapolis. There's times where I, I go near this neighborhood and I still think like, I don't want to get too close. I don't want this thing. Yeah. I basically go like, Hey bud, like it's been a while. <laughs> right. And, right. You know, <laughs> yeah. but I don't, I don't think that it's malevolent or anything to that effect. I just think that it, it, it liked, it was like, kind of like my like buddy and it kind of like messing with me and. Um, and it was as a kid, I think now I'm, I'm more cool with it. But at, at the time I was, I, I don't know, you're, you're, you're more aware of things maybe too. And you're also like, mm-hmm. you're, you're little and you're terrified of everything. And, um, well, I don't know. I think we we're I think we operate a lot more on our intuitive sides as, as kids. Um, and that's why we have such, you know, huge imaginations and things when we're younger, uh, and then as we grow older, we become more logic hardened because that's our current society conditions that. Um, but yeah, I think that's why a lot of kids experience, uh, paranormal activity because they could, they just, they vibrate at a, at a different frequency than adults, Yeah, you know, which, which adults can vibrate at that frequency, but it takes like 
mental uh intention and you know like thought to yeah we 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 lose some of that 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 those senses for other things you know i think yeah i think yeah i was i'm just like on my own like journey i'm learning that uh true manifestation magic it it comes from uh mixing uh imagination and and manifestation like uh like you're imagining use your imagination but also uh sorry imagination and meditation so uh you know i don't know i I don't know where i'm going with that but i I think there's like true magic is meditation and 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 imagination like put together yeah that's how you you know yeah yeah you may be able to combine those two two, i think you you unlock unlock the secrets secrets of magic magic. (laughs) yeah well i think you could suspend uh some of your disbelief and allow things to be like all right i don't i i'm not going to try to explain that i'm going to just have fun and like enjoy this and let it happen and and i think like yeah, that, that, that can be a much more amazing experience when, when you allow things to happen. Mm-hmm. And then, for sure. Yeah. And, and I think, yeah, certainly like alcohol and drugs and uh, as much as we hate them or whatever, they can sometimes allow for that stuff to like, you know. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. I think they're the, uh, I view them as like sort of the, it's like cheating. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. Know, it, it can put you at those, those vibrations. Um, but the problem is, is that most people don't build a mental foundation to bounce back from. So they get taken up really high and then they just crash down. And then they're, they had this profound experience that, you know, people aren't addicted to drugs. They're addicted to the feeling and the experience. So they're always trying to get back there, but they have no foundation. Like you can get there mentally without drugs or alcohol. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, it takes work. It's like, it's a very slow process. And it, then you, know, you can control uh, it more. Yeah, absolutely. You know how to handle it. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And, uh, so that's why, like, I think some people take shrooms or something, you know, like have a bad trip and stuff because like their brain isn't ready to handle such profound, uh, spiritual experience. Sure. And, and it's funny because like psychedelics and stuff, they, uh, you know, we all think that it's like, we just have this perception because the government says drugs are bad, uh, that, you know, it's, oh, it's just a chemical that's making your brain do these things. But like. There, there's actually not even a lot of research done on psychedelics because they're so illegal. But it's, I truly believe that you're, you're interfacing with reality. You're seeing the threads and stuff when you have these profound psychedelic experiences. Like yeah. it's, you're legitimately seeing something that you don't normally see because your brain is operating on a different level. No, I, 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 uh, I, I'm a subscriber uh, <coughs> completely. But I, you know, it's, it's one of those things, like I said, it's a respect thing and it's definitely... I mean, you look at, like where I, I, I live, uh, you know, the, the whole uh, going on the vision quest and, and you know, for, for a fair amount of kids like that, they, they had those experiences and, and they came to these like really profound realizations. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's, it's a spirituality and its own religion and uh, you can learn a lot from that stuff. And Absolutely. I certainly think that... Uh, a lot of the great minds that we we hold really dearly definitely uh were uh psychonauts and explorers in that oh, way for sure a, i mean i'm like 100 percent like i'm an advocate for psychedelics but again like you said it's all about respecting the medicine yeah and and not abusing it which is, is for some it's is, difficult you have to know like you said you in and it, uh, boy, I, like I said, it's, it's not something that I, I don't even want to recommend it. I don't want to like, because there are some people that 
they they don't they like it so much they don't come you know or it triggers yeah. something or it uh-huh. uh, so it's a it's a risk that you have to like you take on your own and you you kind of have to in a sense do it with uh your a friend that's essentially a shaman that that has been there and can talk you through it and and that's that's the best way to, oh my god uh, yep. to experience something like that uh, I saw this meme that was like this guy in a wizard costume and there was like two dolphins there and he's like bent over like petting a dolphin. And he's like, when you have that one friend that's really good at guiding everyone's acid trip. Yeah. It's like, no, it's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's all about responsible and, and respect. Um, yeah. yeah. Because they are, they're powerful and they're profound and they're even being discovered like there's, starting to loosen up restrictions and they're realizing that mushrooms, psilocybin and other things can be used to treat PTSD. And it's almost like it, you're, you, we get caught in these loop programmed loops of trauma yeah. and you're a psychedelic experience opens you up out of that loop for just a moment in time. Sure. And then it, it, it helps you get out of the loop. Yeah. Is it breaks your, it is you lose all concept of anything of self. And, and now you can start again in a new loop. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, 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 if I can say one other thing about the, that whole arena as well, um, just I would also say that uh, if you do delve into any of that stuff, that you make sure that is um, like locally sourced. I, I say that yeah. um, because um, where my wife comes from in Mexico, there's yeah. a, there is a real uh, result that comes from buying drugs that come from you know, South America or from Mexico or, you know, and, you know, we, you know, we, we just basically consume these things and like, Hey, great. But we, you know, we're careful about like non-GMO and everything else and that everything is uh-huh. organic, but we don't think yeah. twice about all the blood that is on these drugs that come into this country. And, uh, I can, I can tell you that the stories that I have heard are horrific. And, yeah. um, we, we have to just like with, anything that we do we you have to be respectful and understand like i think it's really really important that um you, you know where the stuff is coming from and that you for uh-huh. a lot of different reasons for the fact that you know like it could be laced and you know hurt you and uh-huh. yeah i mean it, it mirrors the uh the factory farming as we do like we need to get in touch with we need to think about the process of how these things end up in our possession. Yeah. Because they, they don't just magically appear out of nowhere. There's blood if, in all of these, you know, the, in factory farms. There are animals that are, are unethically treated. And there, and the drugs that come, th- you know, uh, through Mexico, there are a lot of people that are, you know, really, really brutally, that have gone through horrific things because of that. And there's, there's blood on it. Yeah. And it's... Yep, and that's why, like, honestly, changing the world is really is just as simple as changing yourself. Yeah, you all you can do is police yourself and and try to be the best you that you can be. And if we all did that, like, we would live in a pretty fucking amazing world. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I'm trying to raise my kids like that. Well, well, I mean, I, I mean, just from our little talk, you're a super cool, dude, and I have no doubt that you're a super awesome dad. So <laughs> <laughs> we're all trying. We're all trying. Yeah. Um, so, so, oh, go okay. ahead. I'm just afraid okay. now that uh, I'm hoping that and the record is on, the red button is on. I just want to make sure that I, d- I don't want to lose this conversation because I think it was pretty awesome. 
Yeah, well, here let's uh, let's do our a little out, and then and then we can stop them. Uh, so 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 uh, if I if I just if I just stop the recording, I still have my like last time. It's still all there, and in terms uh, of saving it and delivering it to you, how should I? Yeah, um, I can walk once we stop recording. I'll walk you through that the rest of it. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So. Eli, where can people get the Mysterious Creatures Field Guide? Thank you very much. Uh, so it is on my website, which is my name, Eli, E-L-I. And then the last name is Libson. Uh, L is in lion. I uh, is uh, in iris. B is in boy. S-O-N, son. Libson. Eli Libson.com. And, uh, and through Instagram, it's a, I just... I'm not high. I, I don't have any. I, I it's just uh, my name. It's pretty boring, but yeah. So okay, so they can get the book on the web. And then, uh, do you use Instagram? Is that your main? Like, where can people find you? Yeah, yeah, pretty much uh, through my website or through Instagram. Instagram is basically uh, kind of where I'm. I'm kind of keeping up to date with what I'm working on currently. That's kind of more real time. And then through the website, we try to throw on. That's more products based. Nice. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, um, definitely pick up a copy of this book. It's beautiful. It is perfectly weathered. I am just, I adore the subtle weathering on this book. That, uh, like, I'm a huge fan of weathering. And yeah, I wanted it to look like it had been in a, like a knapsack for, you know what I mean? Like on an adventure. And that, yeah, and, 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 and honestly, that that is Ernesto East's work. Like, he, if you need graphic design, you need toy design, you need any, like, I got. I, I. I. just have to be honest. He is one of the coolest dudes ever, and his twin brother Carlos, super rad too. They're just. Yeah, they're super rad. Yeah. It's funny because like it's so well done that I pulled it out and I was like, shit, did I already get something on this? And I'm like, oh wait, no, yeah, this yeah. is just beautiful weathering. That's totally <laughs> Ernesto, man. Totally Ernesto. <coughs> yeah, he went through each page. Like, if, even if you look at the side too, like there's weathering on the sides of the. Like, it's just. Oh yeah. The detail, yep. like, I, you know. He helped me like hatch or birth this thing, and I don't know if I could have done it without him. And I, I'm eternally grateful to him. And well, the universe always puts us in in touch with uh, people that you know we'll we'll vibe with and and create with. So I think that that's true. And I and uh, just like for myself in closing, like I just want to tell you like how much I from the you know from my heart how much I appreciate you giving me this opportunity to to talk with you and stuff and like. Dude, I feel like I just made a friend, and I hope that we can like continue to like keep kicking ass. And I don't know, who knows where this goes, but I think we're like uh, this is sound cheesy, but I we're 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 on a similar frequency. Uh, dude, I feel the exact same way, man. Like once I've once this year was all about me and getting back to who I was, and once I started resonating at my own personal frequency. All of the people that I needed to meet are coming into my life. So this is no accident that we know each other now. It is just the beginning of a beautiful friendship, as they say. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah, we'll definitely keep in touch. And thank you so much, man. This, is, uh, this has been an awesome talk. And I'll definitely have to have you back. And we'll, we'll dive into all kinds of other stuff, too. Okay, perfect. Well, thanks, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Uh, definitely go give Eli a follow on social media and buy his book and buy his other art. This is something I want to add to the end of this episode because the holidays are coming up and I can't stress how important it is to support artists. These are people that are really going out of their way to try to create and sustain themselves 
uh, through their creation, and they really can't do that without your help and your patronage. And, you know, it's something that everybody wins because like art is wonderful and it's amazing and it's beautiful. And it's, and it's definitely worth the investment because again, you know, on a grand universal scheme, uh, of, I don't know if you want to call it karma or whatever, but when you support the arts, then you support like it's, it's good. It's good karma for sure. Uh, and that comes back to you. So never think that spending money on art is a waste. So this holiday season, do your best to purchase. There are so many, like you could go to Etsy. Uh, if, even if you have a favorite artist, like if they don't have anything for sale currently, hit them up and be like, do you have anything small for sale? Like uh, a lot of artists sell um, cheaper prints and things like that. Um, whatever it is, like see if you can get a, a piece from, from an artist and they really, that'll really help them out. And uh, I as well, I'm going to have in the next few weeks, I'm going to have a whole bunch of stuff up in our Etsy. And I'm going to do a lot of uh, like one off sculptures, too, that are lower price points. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Also, we're going to be having a sale on our Etsy at uh, Thanksgiving weekend, 20% off on everything. So be sure to uh, go. That's uh, Etsy.com slash shop slash Bizarro Agogo, I think. Um, but yeah, check us out. And I'll have the, all the links into all this stuff in the show notes as well, um, or the description or whatever you want to call it. Um, also, if you dig what I'm doing and you want to help fund the endeavors, uh, become a patron because you get all kinds of, uh, access to, uh, our lives that not the general public usually doesn't get. And I have lots of how to videos. Also speaking of our shop, uh, if you at our $5 patron tier, you get, uh, think like 10% off of the shop of our stuff, like that just always. So, um, yeah, join our, join our patron if you dig it. Uh, if not, you know, that's fine too. But yeah, follow me on the social media at twitch.tv slash signeutron. Or, oh shit. Yeah, that's, well, twitch. Twitch.tv slash signeutron. Uh, and then also at uh, signeutron on Twitter and Instagram. And also my new show, The Net Wielder, is coming out. And it premieres tomorrow, actually, live. Uh, tomorrow, the 26th of November at 6 p.m. Pacific time at youtube.com slash ransig. So come and... I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to try to change the world and I'm going to document every minute of it. So if that sounds interesting to you and, uh, then come watch my show and I'll be there live and I'll be doing a live Q and a afterwards on Twitch so I can answer any questions. So spread the word, come hang out. And if you, if you're listening to this after that, then go to YouTube and check out NetWielder, my new show and social experiment. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Remember, uh, Till next time, stay weird, stay open-minded, and if you don't believe it's possible, then it's not.